welcome back to the Value Adds Value podcast with Kyle Krieger and Wilkie Law, where we're sharing inspiring stories of educators just like yourself, helping you to develop your craft and sharpen your tools to become the teacher your students deserve. This is the Value Adds Value podcast. Let's jump into this next episode. What is going on, everybody? My name is Kyle Krieger, and I want to welcome you back to this episode of Value as Value. As per usual, I'm with my guy, Wilkie Law. Will, what's good? Oh, man, I'm good right now, man. I'm have been having moments seeing everything going on over in your neck of the woods. Yeah. Um, had to force myself to turn the TV off last night to, to yeah. not catch everything going on. But, you know, other than that, man, we're, we're good holding and to, on. And, and to clarify, my neck of the woods is the Twin Cities where there, for, there were protests two nights on Tuesday night uh, over the death of George Floyd. Um, Wednesday night and Thursday night, we're recording this on a Friday morning. Those protests turned violent with looting and fires. There were more looting and fires overnight. They made they their way. They burned a police station. Uh, so it's um, it's crazy. But I mean, we're we're still safe. But it's just a situation where we're, um, you know, trying to do the best we can. Um, that I don't live near there, but I teach near there. So it's um, our, our, there's a few people that usually go in on Fridays to do some preparations for materials. And our principal told everybody to stay home today just because the protests are encroaching down towards where our school is. So, but, um, you know, hopefully by the time this podcast airs in a few days, things will have settled down. So we are excited to, after, only about 16 months to finally have a fantastic teacher who's going to talk with us about collaboration, co-teaching, and ed technology, Jessica Reed on the podcast. Jess, how are you? I'm good. How are you? It's crazy all the stuff that y'all are having to deal with. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's um, it's a wild time. And Minneapolis has had a few bad experiences over the last handful of years that I that people are just um, kind of, they're, they're just kind of fed up with it. And people have just kind of really taken it next level. So, um, but hopefully, hopefully, hopefully it dies down and hopefully cooler heads prevail and things kind of change. I just hate it's Target. Target's my favorite place to shop. <laughs> I, I know. I know. And it's just like, you know, Target, Walgreens, and, you know, I, but at this point, I don't think there's any real rhyme or reason to it. Right. I don't think there is either. Um, there's, there's no message in it. There's no yeah. message in it. It's yeah. gone too far. So, um, but yeah, so we, we met in Atlanta in the spring of 2019 at Teacher Heart Out Atlanta, and Wilkie uh, and I had such a good conversation with you about co-teaching and SPED that we wanted to bring you on, but now you have this whole new uh, Google um, Google Innovator project, so we definitely want to talk to you about that. But for our listeners, before we get into that, Jess, could you just give us a little bit of your background and, and why you chose to get into the education profession? Um, sure. So I've been teaching, I think I'm going on my 12th year. Um, I don't know, they seem to kind of run in together at this point. 
I've been teaching the last couple of years at a middle school in Georgia, and I teach sixth through eighth grade ELA resource. So I've been doing the resource side, but I also am our lead SPED teacher. So I kind of help with all the inclusion stuff as well. I've taught everything from kindergarten to high to be a high school paraprofessional. Kindergarten is definitely not my strong suit. Uh, there is a special person who teaches kindergarten. Mm-hmm. Um, I currently have a three-year-old and I have no idea how her teachers do it. Um, I'm not meant to be a preschool teacher or a kindergarten. I have, no. I have two nieces uh, that are three and five and I concur. I concur. <laughs> I concur. That energy level is there's a special place for for for, for elementary. Well, I'm not going to say elementary because I believe like second and third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade are kind of normal. But those first mm-hmm. few years are mm-hmm. so critical. Mm-hmm. Well, my husband always wonders why I buy her teachers really nice presents. This is why. <laughs> Dude. So that's the secret. Teach up, teach kindergarten and get the good presents. Pre-K and K. I, I bet they do. Um, and I have done a little bit of everything. I've taught regular ed and I've been the sped or the general ed, the co-teacher. Um, I've spent more years being the co-teacher, but, um, my undergrad is from Kentucky. I have a master's from Alabama in collaboration. And then I just last summer got my EDS and instructional technology, which is kind of what started my whole ed tech journey. So. And I, um, I think Kyle and I are actually presenting via the same conference, the educators, yeah. educators. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, that's yeah. my. This is my third time presenting with her, and it's an awesome yeah. conference. Yeah, it is for sure. I, you know, with you talking, I just feel like you're in like the sports mecca of the world, having you know, <laughs> gone, gone to Kentucky, but you live in Alabama and you work in Georgia. There must be a lot of people. Um, you're not seeing it, but in my, I'm like in my dining room, which has become my office. I have, we have Daniel Bryant, Alabama pictures. I have a picture of Kentucky's library. I have a derby picture. My husband and I will get into it about Kentucky and Alabama basketball and football. Which one's the better program? Who's the better coach? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You don't talk bad about Bear Bryant down here or Nick Saban. (laughs) I, I... Either or. <laughs> Either or. Um, and I'm a, obviously a big Calipari fan, not a Rick Pitino fan. So I was crushed when uh, basketball didn't happen this year, which I totally understand with the virus. But, you know, it's one of those things that you always look forward to. I'm telling you, if football doesn't happen in the fall, I don't know what my husband's going to do. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying. Uh, Wilkie and I have a mutual friend who is an Auburn Auburn fan and nothing makes me happier than to subtly sneak roll tide into oh, into, into my <laughs> vocabulary around her and when when Wilkie started working with my friend I had him have kids just like subtly like all the time go down there and say roll tide and it took her like weeks to figure out that I was actually the person doing it oh uh, that's hilarious so Tia Holloway shout out to you roll um, tide yeah <laughs> My child yeah. says roll cats. She's Ooh. roll tide, go cats. She goes roll cats. <laughs> Fair. That's a good, you're going to you're gonna have to make her one of those t-shirts that's like half blue on one side and half maroon oh, that says roll, cat, roll cats. Oh, our wedding was uh, crimson and cobalt blue. So. Wow. Yeah. A little hardcore, but it's okay. 
That's sweet. That's sweet. It has to be an expression of you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we Um, have plenty. Uh, we have plenty of weddings in uh, Wisconsin that are like blaze orange or camouflage. You know, that's kind of our. (laughs) That's kind of our thing. The hunt, the hunting themed wedding. Oh, okay. I was like camouflage wedding. Mm -mm, That sounds like something in the south, like the red. Oh, I mean, it's kind of it's kind of the same. So, <laughs> um, so uh, a question we like to um, always ask people on the podcast is um, we we try to make this podcast be uh, something that will help teachers be what their kids deserve. So, when you hear that phrase, what you know, the teacher that kids deserve, what what comes to mind for you? Well, that phrase to me, when it comes to mind, is that you as a teacher are there to help them in whatever way, shape, to create opportunities for them to grow. And that's really hard sometimes as a special ed teacher to establish that for a general ed teacher because just because a kid has an IEP or even a 504, that child deserves every single amount of respect that a regular ed student does. And it's your job as a teacher, even if you have a class of 30, and I know somebody might say, well, you only have a class of eight. Yeah, I have my resource class may be eight, but it's eight very different students, all various levels. So it's my job as a teacher to figure out how they learn and what's the best way I can accommodate that. Mm-hmm. And so I think to be the best teacher that you can be, you have to seek out the resources and the training to figure out how to do that or collaboration with other teachers. So if that makes sense. 100% though, because um, I mean, I started out my journey as an inclusion teacher. And they put me um, as an adaptive aid paraprofessional in our adaptive behavior unit. Um, probably not where you would want to start your teaching career, uh, but it taught me so much because I had to. My 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 background, my undergrad is in sociology, so I went in it as an approach of let's not go in here with trying. To, I didn't know the pedagogical term pedagogical terms to throw out there and all the all I knew was how to get people to sit down be quiet and, and listen and so that's where I started and when I started that I started learning how each one of these kids learned so differently we only had four kids on the unit but each one of those kids needed something different from me mm-hmm. and it's, it's almost like you gotta uh, morph <laughs> every single time that you move you you know you you gotta you know, change shift, shift change into a different person just to meet the needs of this other person, this other student that's sitting there. So I'm glad to hear you say that because even finding that equity in a classroom of 30, when you have special ed kids in there to make sure that you're given time across the board is, is so critical. But I think it's also, you have to do that for regular kids. And then you have your gifted kids who, you know, you have that one student, um, who, str- who struggles because they're so bored mm-hmm. and you have to kind of raise the standard for them. So it's like, I always feel like teaching like we're actors because every day we put, we put on a play, you put on, you know, you make things, some people may think we look stupid, but if you're excited about something, the kids get excited about it. It doesn't matter how old they are. If you like, I love Edgar Allan Poe and that's one of my favorite things to teach about. That's a do the telltale heart. I get so into it. My kids think I'm crazy. But by God, they know what that poem means. By the end of, mm-hmm. <laughs> they know what the telltale heart means by the end of our, you know, our learning. So I always feel like we're always acting or making ourselves ridiculous 
to make sure that the students get what they need. Mm-hmm. But that's the fun part. Right. And sometimes the more ridiculous, the better the response. Mm-hmm. Like I said, sometimes you'll get laughs, but after the laughter, then the kids are kind of like, okay, wait a minute. I get what you're saying. <laughs> I tell everybody, you learn better when you're laughing. It is difficult to learn a new skill or anything when you're under stress. Mm-hmm. The best time to do that is before you get put in a situation, be comfortable with the skill so that when you're in that situation, you can have fun with it and you can kind of flow. So 100%. Could you tell us about your Google Innovator project and what you're doing to help teachers collaborate more effectively? Sure. Okay. So I don't know if y'all know much about the Google Innovator certification or how that. Okay. So there are. There's four different things that you can become certified via Google. You can do level one, level two, which is you just take a test. Um, Google for Education Trainer is where you're able to actually go out and talk about Google and how it works in the classroom. And like we have to recertify every year. We have to document our trainings. The innovator is kind of like its own separate beast where it's a worldwide program. There's only, I think like at this point, there's only 1,400 of us. Um, like Casey Bell is one, Matt Miller's one. Um, there's a whole bunch of like ed tech big names that are innovators. Anyway, the program is, or this year it's going to be virtual, obviously, because of, you know, the pandemic. But last year they had different academies. They had one in, oh, somewhere in Asia. My brain's just not working this morning. They had one in Brazil. They had one here in America. They had one in New York City. They had one in Sydney, Australia. And so the process was where you have to come up with a how might we statement. And my how might we statement was how might we be effectively allow teachers to collaborate in the inclusion classroom, basically. And you have to submit a very structured application and you have to submit like a, a minute video. And somehow... I don't, out of hundreds, I was one of 46 who got chosen to go to New York. It was really cool. I got to go see, uh, got to be at Google for three days in New York City. Um, like, I've never had a professional development like that in my life. It was life-changing. And from that came my project called the Collaborative Prenup. And the idea is that co-teaching is like a marriage. I don't know about you, but I've been married before my current husband. It didn't end so well. It didn't, <laughs> which is what happens with co-teaching a lot of times. Because, you know, you're put in situations where you may not like the other person. And so either by December, you're either happily married or you're ready to get divorced. Like, that's just that's just the way it is. And so... The collaborative prenup, the idea is, and my husband's an attorney, which is where the prenup idea came from. Um, The idea is that at the beginning of the year, you and your admin and the teachers would all sit down together, go through this document that that's a prenup, and it would go through every single detail in the classroom, like who's going to do what, who's going to be responsible for what, so that there's no questions of equal partnership in the classroom. It could even be for a teacher and a paraprofessional. It's a document that you can refer to because you all, I mean, you both are in the classroom. How many times is there something when you've had somebody come in your classroom, they said they're going to do something and they don't. Mm -hmm. And it's frustrating. Mm -hmm. And especially when you have kids who are depending (laughs) on that person. 
mm-hmm. um, you know, as a general ed teacher, I had a sped teacher come in. Well, she didn't come in for like four days. Like that defeats the purpose of inclusion. You know what I mean? Or then as an inclusion, as a, as a sped teacher, I go into someone's classroom and I've had times where the teacher looked at me and she was like, I don't want you here. Okay. Well, you don't really have an option. You know, you're stuck with me at least for the year. Um, so this would just kind of be a document to alleviate, to alleviate that stress, but I'm also turning it into a book. Um, it's just going to be talking about the, um, and I'm already in, actually, uh, just got a contract with a publisher today in the, in my email this morning before I started talking to y'all. Um, congratulations. Thanks. Um, and it's going to be about the different styles of co-teaching and how to effectively like collaborate by using the collaborative prenup. So I don't know if the prenup itself is going to end up being a document that'll, and I know there's different forms out there that are like this, but I'm hoping that this can be a very easy to use changeable form for someone. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it's going to be something that I have a website for to go with the book or what, but at this moment, there's just not any, to me, um, there's a ton of great educational books, like uh, Dave Burgess teach like a pirate series. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so many cool books. I don't feel like there's any great books on special education or co-teaching. Like there's not collaboration. That, right. But not that, like you say, that marriage between co-teaching. I was a co-teacher and now I am a general ed teacher with a co-teacher. So mm-hmm. I've seen it from both sides, the good and the bad on both sides. <laughs> and um, well, maybe I'll have to holler at y'all to get some uh, thoughts. Yeah. I mean, yeah. for me, as, as someone who has had co-teachers, you know, especially when I first started, it's like the the term co-teaching has always been kind of deceptive to me. Like, is it really co-teaching? Like, is my special ed teacher supposed to be teaching part of the the lesson? You know, because I had schools where that was the case, where they really wanted the co-teacher to be teaching a part of the lesson. And I did not have someone who had a social studies background. So I felt like I was teaching my co-teach who was mm-hmm. then going to try to teach the kids what I had taught them. So how do you, how do you define what or what does co-teaching mean to you because I feel like there are a a lot of different experiences of what co-teaching is so there um to me co-teaching is when both people in a classroom have equal responsibility whether it be the teaching or the paperwork or the lesson planning um to actually be an effective co-teacher you know you're gonna have one who's a content area specialist like you would be the social studies teacher the purpose of the collaborator is someone to help you figure out ways to meet all, all of your different students' needs. There's a reason that they're a special ed teacher. Like they either they've gotten schooling or they sometimes we just take a test to become a special ed teacher. But a lot of times like you're gonna be more aware of the different strategies. That's the purpose. Now I know in an inclusion classroom I've been in before, bless it. I was a it was a seventh grade math class. I'm not math. I teach ELA, like, I don't do math, um, or at least middle school math, which is very hard <laughs> to me, <laughs> and I would be, we would be in the classroom, and it would be more of like, uh, where you do one teach, one kind of walks around, 
and I would be the one who was walking around helping the students. But I also was asking the stupid questions like, how do you do this? And the kids would look at me and be like, really, Miss Reed? Like, you don't know how to do this? I don't like I don't remember so I was always the one who was asking and I did feel bad because I felt like he was teaching me I ended up passing and I can now teach math like I passed my my state test for it because I took his class but I think it's because we set that precedent where he's like you know this is my area this is where I need help and so we were able to kind of play off of each other but now in my classroom where I'm in ELA I have a good friend of mine. We even have our own little hashtag read and write because we're dorks because um, she's Miss Wright and I'm Miss Reed and we teach reading and writing. Um, we play off of each other, but it's because we have that established relationship. So I don't think co-teaching is something that happens overnight. It's something that you have to establish throughout the school year, if that makes any sense. Absolutely. Co-teaching is supposed to make make your life easier, not harder. And it sounds like, uh, Kyle, you had an experience where it made it a harder situation for you. Yeah. Because you had to worry about the teacher. Yeah. You know, and and I had, and I should say, I had some, the the co-teachers that Wilkie and I taught with in Houston were some of the best people I ever worked with. But then, you know, at schools prior to that, you know, I had, people who literally the co-teach would just say give me the worksheets for this week I'll modify them and then they would hand them out to the kids and and that was like the extent of their engagement with the kids so I I'm interested are there with the collaborative or yeah the collaborative prenup um are there consequences written into this prenup is is there some sort of accountability piece to that because I love what you said about how it really is uh, articulating what the responsibilities for everybody is so is there some form of uh, some form of consequence if people don't follow through well the idea is that you basically your admins fully aware of everything that's in the prenup and so that if things are not followed through the prenup your admin would take care of whatever the situation is the the idea of the prenup is that you guys are able to talk to each other without it having to go to administration or you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like you're able to establish that thing um oh that's a good point I hadn't really thought about consequences like like if you don't do this because like in a prenup if you cheat you pay so much money we divorce or any of that so I don't I think that would have to be more teacher specific and more like admin specific if that Mm -hmm. makes sense and and I don't think I don't think I don't think consequence is the word I meant to use I I just (laughs) I I think accountability is maybe the better word like like you know because that's the thing it's it's not just with co-teaching response or relationships or responsibilities. Like we all need accountability. We all need people that hold us accountable. And um, I'm just, I'm just so infatuated by this collaborative <laughs> prenup. Well, you know, I think because it finally puts a, a, a light, it shines a light finally on that collaborative process, which is different from, for instance, when I collaborate with my math team, mm-hmm. my sixth grade math team, that's a different form of collaboration than when my co-teacher and I meet. Because uh, we actually had yeah. to go to yeah. and say, hey, look, 
I want to meet with my co-teach independently of our group so that we can have time to kind of talk. And, you know, I think last year, last summer, we went out and started having meetings before school started at the Wingstop and just started kind of just talking to kind of build a relationship between one another. Because again, like you say, you have the best relationships are those ones that kind of you feed off of each other. You, it's like you, and now we're almost at the point where we finish each other's sentences and it's kind of crazy for two guys to be sitting there in the classroom and then you, you're like looking at each other like, man, we just had a moment, you know? <laughs> I feel like you and uh, Kyle would have those moments if you were in a classroom. Oh, oh we have those. <laughs> I, you know, the craziest thing about this pandemic is we have literally, I bet, I, I mean, we're talking five days a week for upwards of an hour at a time and it's just like the yeah I mean and that's 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 the way you would hope it would be and Mm -hmm. and and I really like what you you were saying about December is like we jump into co-teaching and and one of the other things I really struggled with at my first school is in four years I had four different co-teachers Mm-hmm. So I never really had the opportunity to really build with with one person. And then when Wilkie and I taught at the same school, I had the same two over the course of three years. So we were very like, it, you know, it was that kind of feeling like Wilkie said, where with, you know, my coat, our, um, we'll shout them out, Nut, Amanda Nut and Anna Gilliland and then, um, um, uh, she's Miss Castante now, Alana. Um, it was just that point where you could kind of like you had that eye contact, and you were like, it was just it just needed to be a head nod, and 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 there was that that kind of cohesion. I'm, yeah. I think accountability we all need, especially when it comes to sped stuff, because you know IEPs are legal documents. There is not going to be a time that a parent. And uh, my mom was a sped parent. My brother has ADHD and has an SLD, which is specific learning disability. Mm -hmm. I don't know where the terminology is where you guys are, but um, my mama was that parent. She was also a sped teacher, so it might have hurt or helped his teachers. But my mom was that teacher who, if you didn't follow the IEP, she gonna call you out on it. And it was to a point to where if you don't have the data, which we know data is king, you can tell me a kid can do something all day long, but unless you actually have the data to prove it, mm-hmm. I'm not going to believe you. And so you do have to have some some form of accountability when you have SPED students because you don't want to go to a courtroom. I mean, I hear my husband tell me stories all the time about court, and I'm like, I never want to go there. <laughs> like, that, that freaks me out. Like, I don't even do cops. Um, like, when I get pulled over, I cry. So it doesn't work <laughs> I can't cry because it's, it freaks me out so going to a courtroom I couldn't even and like facing a judge like why did you not help this student you know that that to me is so stressful and so if you don't have accountability and you would have accountability through the prenup the idea is that everybody would be doing their part to ensure that all the students are getting the things that they need and if you don't then it's it's however your admin handles those situations. So, everybody, thanks for checking out this episode of Value Adds Value. My name is Kyle Krieger. Uh, we are really happy that we finally were able to, and by able to, I mean we finally really followed up and and were 
uh, able to connect with Jessica and and be able to share her story and the stuff that she's doing because she's doing some amazing work. And uh, we're really excited next week to share with you a conversation uh, that we had continuing off this one about how she's using digital technology, what digital learning is, and you know what we're learning from this time of distance learning. So I hope you really um, enjoy that. I hope you check it out, and I hope. Um, I hope this message finds you well. I hope this podcast finds you well. And um, as always, I, I really hope if you need anything, you'll reach out to us for support, uh, someone to talk to, you know, need to bend someone's ear, anything. Please, um, please reach out. We would love to help you, support you. <laughs> you know, we're all on the same team. So uh, I hope you have a great week. hope your year ends awesome. And uh, like I said, I hope this message finds you well. What's up, everybody? Thanks for checking out this episode of Value Adds Value. My name is Kyle Krieger. Um, We were so uh, fortunate and so excited to have been able to catch up with Jessica Reed uh, for a two-part conversation about uh, educational technology and special education and, and everything that's been going on with this distance learning. So we hope you enjoyed this first part. Um, Next week, we're going to be talking more about ed tech and what she's doing and, and her work there and how she's engaging, especially our students uh, that are receiving special ed services. So we hope you'll tune in for that. As always, um, we know in this difficult time um, that a lot of people are hurting and a lot of people need support. So if you're listening to this and you need support, please don't hesitate to reach out to us through the ledproject.com. Find us on Instagram as at value adds value or it's will law dot I I I or it's Kyle Krieger, uh, reach out, let us know what we can do to help you. Um, and we hope your school year ends well with a positive, uh, tone and that throughout the summer we can be there to support you as we all get ready for next school year and, and the unknowns of it, but we love you. Um, we're proud to be in this profession with you and, Thanks again for supporting and listening to the podcast.